Scrooge said, It's such a small goose. The ghost of Christmas present replied, It's all Bob Cratchit can afford. Recognize this quotes movie? Stay tuned to find out or check out the title of this episode of Talking Pictures Trivia. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Nick, and with me is... Tom. KJ. And Alex. Today, we're departing from our regularly scheduled programming to deliver you a rapid-fire format borrowed from our Talking TV Trivia subseries. We'll start with four essential trivia questions. The first question is worth one point, and each question after that is worth one more point. Then we'll follow it up with our theme discussion, this week being Turning Over a New Leaf. Tom, tell us about today's movie. It's 8 o'clock on December 17th, 1984. Turning on the television, we would have had to choose between Call to Glory on ABC, TV's Bloopers and Practical Jokes on NBC, and airing on CBS is today's movie, A Christmas Carol. Nick will be our questionnaire today. Nick, what is A Christmas Carol all about? This is a story that I think almost everyone should know <laughs> about Ebenezer Scrooge, and everyone knows Scrooge is almost synonymous with being stingy, crotchety, and that's the gentleman we're introduced to here. He has lived a, a life dedicated to his craft of business, and nothing else seemed to matter, consumed by it even. And his life is not going to go well if he does not change his ways. So he's met with three spirits who hopefully will have a fundamental uh, impact on him so that he can change the error in his ways. Will he? Well, yes, he will. And we'll discuss that a little further in this episode. It's time for question one. We're going to jump right into it. I know you guys are all expecting one question per spirit, but we're not going to do that. So, you know, we're, we're just going to go with it. The first question is going to be... How many years ago did Jacob Marley, Ebenezer Scrooge's business partner, pass away? Locked in. Locked in. KJ, you might be uh, outgunned here on this yeah, episode. There's, um, I think we have some Christmas carrots knowledge on this episode. Um, I'm gonna some what? In. What was that? <laughs> Christmas carriage. Christmas <laughs> carol. <laughs> some Christmas carriage knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> and then me. <laughs> I'll lock in with a guess. KJ, let's hear your guess. Eight, eight, uh, 18 years ago. Okay, I think Tom was second. Seven. Alex? Uh, seven years. That very, that very evening. Yes, yes. I was going to say that very evening, but it would have been correct because today is not that very evening. But... <laughs> Yes, the very evening of the movie. So both Tom and Alex will get the point. KJ, uh, maybe next one. You know, we got a few more to go. It's time for question two. When is the first instance in which Scrooge experiences a fantastical occurrence? Locked in. Locked in. Specifically this movie. So I don't know if it changes in other portrayals, but this movie. <laughs> yeah, because in the Mickey's Christmas Carol, it's Scrooge, right? So are we counting DuckTales as canon? Like when? 
I clearly said this movie. How is this a canon? So it's just a world of Ebenezer Scrooges who are going through this. Well, don't they have the multiverse? Isn't that like Spider-Man? <laughs> yes, no it's the home. multiverse. Yeah. Um, I'm stuck. I'm stuck on a on a Frankenstein, young Frankenstein joke. All right, locked in. KJ, did you figure out that joke? I know the joke, but I think right before that, he sees. A, a phantom carriage. I think he sees a carriage before he sees the uh, <laughs> the the knocker. <laughs> okay, I think Alex is next. Tom did it first. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the knocker in this movie. It's the knocker. He doesn't see a phantom carriage in this one. I think that's the uh, the Disney one. Tom. I also had um, Marley's face in the the knocker. Okay, believe it or not, I know I'm dealing with some experts on here, but whether KJ got the right film or not, it's actually going to go to KJ. There was a scene in the alley when he's walking home and Jacob Marley is calling his name and the carriage passes through and it does dissipate into the mist. So I took that as Phantom Carriage because it actually reminded me of the film we saw, The Phantom Carriage. I was like, wow, they're using the same technology for TV movies in the 80s that they used in, what was it, the 20s or something? The teens, I think. Yeah, Yeah, the teens. The 20s is actually too soon. Yeah. This is uh, the famous Swedish film, The Phantom Carriage, the Victor Solmström film we're talking about. Yes. And I, I specifically watched this one too to see if it just like went out into the fog, but it actually faded. So I, I'm gonna give this one to KJ. But you guys mm-hmm. got the second instance in mm-hmm. in in my opinion. So KJ, you're points back on, the on board. top of the pack. <laughs> no, two points. <laughs> okay. It's time for question three. According to Janet Holloway, Fred's wife. What is the correct answer to the following inquiry in the game of similes? Tight as locked in. Oh, um, oh, I'm gonna lock in, but I don't remember exactly what she says. I'm locked in, but I'm there's one word that I'm debating between two words. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna lock in, but I think this is gonna be embarrassing. <laughs> locked in. I wanna see how embarrassing this can be, KJ. So it wasn't tight as a drum. I, that game stressed me out, by the way. If anybody wants to play that game with me, I'm going to say no, because you need to know the exact thing the person's thinking. Five yes. seconds. Oh, five, five seconds. You have five seconds this? to do it. No, no, oh, no, no. Oh, 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 in oh. similes. <laughs> well, and, yeah, in similes, five seconds. And you got to figure out exactly, right? Anyway, um, I think she said tight as Scrooge's drawstrings. Okay, <laughs> I I had tight as a drum because I couldn't remember exactly what she said. I'm 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 hopeful here that Alex has this. Let Alex, what is what is the answer? As tight as your uncle's purse strings. Yes, yeah, not his drawstrings. KJ, you're close, but I gotta give it to Alex because oh, yeah. he's spot on. <laughs> <laughs> the drawstring. His I just thought it was tight. <laughs> <laughs> It's so much creepier than what you're saying. <laughs> that second spirit, he was pretty aggressive, right? Yeah. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's the spirit who shows you 
poverty. Right. So he, yeah, but yeah, but he's he just going, pretty much like he's mm. really like not just like oh, I'm going to teach you a lesson. It's like you're mm. bad. <laughs> In the the book, he's huge. He's mm. like to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And if you see like even the Disney version, because it's animated, it's easy to do. He's very big. He's you know like twice the size of a normal person. So he is aggressive, but he also shows him that people of uh even though they have meager means they have joy and christmas brings that that spirit to them so uh he he was aggressive but he was also uh i think uh, very potent i thought he looked like john cleese yeah (laughs) (laughs) with the bigger bushy beard scrooge would say something and go did you say something (laughs) (laughs) was that guy on stilts or he's just a tall guy i don't know Yeah. yeah And how about that line? Look here beneath my robes. Look at these. <laughs> I always thought that was creepy. To be fair, that was very creepy. Um, Ignorance and want. Yeah. Yeah. But that. Yeah. But that's. Oh, that what... was going to be a bonus question. You got it. Oh. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always thought that was like, whoa, whoa, hey. <laughs> the uh, nineteen, I think it's thirty-eight version with uh, Reginald Owens. That when he does that, it scared the hell out of me as a kid. The, I the can see that. Were really creepy looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I remember that part really well. You also got to remember I was like seven years old, but it was yeah. like creepy. I probably had the same experience with this film because this is, I was very young when I was watching this and I didn't see those other versions. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the uh, Reginald one, he, he's really creepy in that. And uh, in the Alice of Sims, the kids are more normal looking. Okay. But it's it's supposed to be really uh, scary because the kids, they even say in the book, even writes in the book, is that a claw or a hand beneath your mm-hmm. Oh. So they're yeah. really kind of, you know, really very skinny, very malnutrition. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. So... We're going to jump to the last question. It really is still anybody's game. It's time for question four. He met with three spirits. He learned some lessons. And then he wakes up a a new man, which is great. But then the following day, he has to go back to work, right? What was Bob Cratchit's punishment for arriving 18? No, 18 and a half minutes late. The day after Christmas. Oh, locked in. We got a double lock in there. <laughs> I was going through this with uh, with my wife, Rachel. She's been on the show. And I, I remember one part very specifically, but then I thought there was something vague after. So I'm, I'm going to do the same. Locked in with something specific and something vague. Okay. Let's hear both, I guess. <laughs> so he says he's going to double uh, Bob's salary. Uh-huh. And better working conditions. Tom, <laughs> you're you're not wrong. I don't think I, I, he says yeah. he's going to double his salary. Um, and he he does say put more coal on the fire. Yeah, go buy another scuttle of coal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I guess I see KJ's point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think predominantly it was I I'm going to double your salary, Alex. He says, I'm going to double your salary. 
And then he tells them, and I'm going to take care of that family of yours. And something about Tiny Tim and that boy will be well or that boy will walk again. And then he says, uh, well, what are you waiting for? Go out and buy another scuttle of coal. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is everyone's going to get the points on that one. I'm going to double your salary. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> and yes, he did say that he's going to um, help him support the family. Specifically, Tiny Tim will walk again and, and all that fun stuff. But it does look like, and this isn't really shocking based on his wealth of knowledge on the topic, that Alex will be taking down this episode. Congratulations. Hey. Oh, thank Congratulations. You. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I could use the money. <laughs> Did you tell him there's no cash prize? <laughs> the talking studio salary. <laughs> Gonna double my salary. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, congratulations to Alex, our winner. We'll be diving into our topic of the week, turning over a new leaf right after this break. Join another Talking Studios production, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games. Text-based adventure games were computer games from before computers had graphics. The game uses text to describe a scene, and the player types back how they want to interact with the game. I'll read the text from the computer, and my co-host will feed me commands. This season, we're playing through The Hobbit from 1982 on the ZX Spectrum. Here's a quick sample. I thought uh, a lot about our first command, and I think it should be no print because we don't want to print things as we're going along. I think by default, it's not going to print. And even <laughs> if I did print, where is it going to print to? 1982? I, I would imagine if we go west, we're going to be south of the troll, right? Just south of the troll land. Yeah, let's try it. You go west. The troll's clearing. The visible. Oh, we died. <laughs> 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 all right the troll the troll saw us and killed us so i think we have to say the answer to the riddle then the answer is dark say dark i think talk to what Golem. Gollum. say Gollum. dark you talk to Gollum. thorin says hurry up and we died what? and we died so we went northeast last time so let's go southwest you go southwest. Visible exits are north, northwest. You see the valuable golden ring. Oh, we're wow. ending it here. That's wait, wait. perfect. Oh, That's perfect. Limited Lexicon coming to your podcatcher and YouTube in late 2022 by Talking Studios. And we're back. So, as I mentioned, the topic of the week is turning over a new leaf. I thought the story of Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol was the quintessential version of seeing someone drastically shift in a very short period of time. So I wanted to explore this as well as see if anyone else had other examples in media that resemble this mantra. A Christmas story, any kind of Christmas story is about turning over a new leaf, right? I mean, that's the essence of, of Christmas and the essence of this too. I mean, for, for me, the the scene when Scrooge 
comes alive again after the spirits have visited him is always the most important scene, both in the book and, and in the movie. And in the book and in, in the best films, they always keep in the line, I am like a little child again. Um, that's the that's the leaf that gets turned over, right? It's the uh, the child becomes the father of the man, to quote Wordsworth, and that's the Christmas spirit. It, it's the um, it's the revitalization or resurrection on the day that Jesus comes as a baby, and so Scrooge on Christmas morning is again like a child. He's like a little child, and it's not that he's childish; he's childlike, and in that childlike in returning to being a child that's the leaf that gets turned over and that's what saves him and that's what makes this and any kind of christmas movie christmas story christmas book what have you worth its salt is this sort of recognition that the child is the father of the man ultimately um it's also why marley has been dead seven years it's not six years or 18 it's seven it's it's the holy number right and so it all fits into a piece. I just learned something. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> in the gospel, Jesus actually says you can't get into heaven until you become like this child again. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, and it's also why they talk about uh, born again Christians. You know, that's why it's titled that. Um but I I uh, I, I kind of love the theme of this this movie and the and the story. You know, his uh, uh, coming to see the light, to see uh, uh, the happiness and the joy in helping others, and being part of someone else's life. So I I think it's a good uh, it's a it's a good theme. Does he always buy the prize goose for the Cratchits and all the different versions? He buys the turkey. It's a turkey. Oh, that, oh, that's right. The price turkey. That's right. 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 They had right. a small goose and then he got the big turkey. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one interesting thing was the goose was being cooked at the bakery. And when I was a kid, I lived in a housing project and we had small ovens. And a lot of times, if we had a lot of people over, we'd have to take the turkey to the bakery to have it. Oh, really? <laughs> cook it in the bakery. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, because they had huge ovens, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, you would see people coming out of the bakery with their turkey. So it that it didn't stop in the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never saw that part of it. I that that's really fascinating. He mentioned mm -hmm. that he that we're going to get the turkey at the bakery. <laughs> no, the, goose, the goose at the bakery. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to see that turkey that was as big as that kid. That must have. Yeah. Been. <laughs> <laughs> He remains anonymous. <laughs> well, in one of the versions, he yells down to the boy, "Do you know the uh, the turkey and, and the the butcher?" And he says, uh, we, "Of course I do." You know, and he says, "Buy it." And he says, oh, "Wonka." He thinks he's <laughs> late. Not, not in this version. <laughs> oh, that was another word I learned. <laughs> and another version the maid that he stops and you know when she comes in when he wakes up she says you had me screaming for the beagle <laughs> he terrified her that he was standing on his head and he was jumping yeah. down and mm -hmm. she was terrified she said you had me screaming for the beagle <laughs> but it's some really great old uh, sayings mm -hmm. you know, send me to bedlam 
That's, yeah, the mental asylum. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was the mental asylum. And so it was, there was a lot that gave you the culture of the times, you know, the feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's another beauty of that. So, KJ, was it really uh, strict to the portrayal in the Disney version or, you know? Well, now that I'm thinking back, I'm trying to think the last time I saw the Disney version. <laughs> um, but the Disney version is a lot quicker. There's there's stronger language in in this version. There's a really oh, oh I thought you were gonna say in the Disney version. <laughs> oh, in the Disney version, yeah. <laughs> Mickey's like, oh, the hell with you too. The um, <laughs> but in this one, Fred says I'd like to have you to dinner, and Scrooge said I'd rather go to hell. <laughs> I, <thought that> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really enjoyed his his. Uh... I don't know his delivery. I I did I, again. I don't have all the comparisons that Tom and Alex have. But I always thought it was great. And I this is completely off base to the conversation. But I remember I would like mimic scenes in that film. And there was one where he's making, I guess, that stew over the the oven or whatever that is in his room, the fire or whatever it is. And I used to get my ice cream and I would melt it down into like a stew and I would like drink it slash eat it while I was watching this this uh, film. So mm -hmm. it brings for me, it brings a lot of uh, nostalgia just for the holidays of, of my youth. No, but I, I really did enjoy Tom's breakdown, kind of saying how this is common in just Christmas stories in general, like the way he explained it mm -hmm. made it very relevant to a lot of the other holiday films that I've seen. Yeah, it. I mean, it's a different type of feast than Easter, right, where there's this sort of um, you know, resurrection and, and what have you. It's like a child comes to save you. Like that's the idea. And so it's, you know, it, it's very much the the romantic poets. Um, and Charles Dickens is writing this in 1843, I think it's published. So it's very early on in, in the Victorian era. Um, but there is this kind of idea of in, in Dickens and in the romantic poets of seeing like a child, which I think is is part of, the the Christmas spirit, right? And I think it connects Nick to your idea, your your nostalgia, and this nostalgia, I think, Dad, that you have for the the fifty one sim version as well, which is you know this kind of longing for the past, longing for childhood again, um, which is also you know the hope of Christmas, which is why the you know like the hokey stuff at Christmas is actually probably deeply meaningful if you connect it into the the tradition of that holiday. Yeah, I, I will say uh, the the comparison between like some of the the Scrooges might be very promising or interesting. Um, George Scott seems to really enjoy being a commercial man. His Scrooge, uh, he goes to the corn market, which we don't see in the book. We don't see, I think, right. in any other version. Right. That's that's that was also going to be a potential bonus question. Like, what actually was he in business doing? Yeah, what did he do? I think it's corn futures. Right. That he well, was... in this, I mean, it sounds like they did a lot of different things. But yes, they are talking about a warehouse full of corn. So yeah. Talking it, about some kind of commodity, yeah. you know, especially basically of the mercantile exchange. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like how that is in the U.S. That's what was they were dealing with. I yeah. felt like he probably dealt with other commodities as well, yeah. right. uh, but that was the one they were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the book, he buys up debt. That's that's what he does. He buys up debt and then squeezes people for it. So he's he's an absolute leech uh, is what his business is. Um, 
with with sim i think and with uh with other versions uh human kindness seems to scare him when his nephew comes he almost seems kind of like taken back or or appalled by this person while with um with this we see a little bit more joy in i think in in uh, george c scott's version of the character he really does like being a commercial man and i, I think in either case it's worth noting that until about the 20th century, the term ambition was a pejorative. It was an insult. And so to call Scrooge an ambitious man, be it that he's squeezing people for debt or that he's enjoying going onto the mercantile exchange would have been an insult. So kind of framing that in the, in the way Dickens does, I think does work in both, both the 51 version and in the 84 version. I don't know if this carries through through all the tellings, but even in this one, when he was working as an apprentice for Mr. Fezziwink mm-hmm. uh, and the love interest, Belle, I believe was her name. Yeah. He felt that he needed to be successful to be worthy of her. But then he became so successful that he didn't have time for her and he was playing by different rules then. So you're kind of a victim of your own success there. And it, it it took him off of the track of what was really important to begin with, which I know is part of the story, but I, mm-hmm. I, I do find that uh, to give us a little bit more depth in, in building his character. And the other thing too, you, it shows you sometimes you have to look into someone to make, to see what makes them. He hated Fred. Now it doesn't really show that in this version, but he didn't like his nephew Fred because his sister died giving birth to him and in the book his father didn't like him because he his mother died giving birth to scrooge so there was a connection there you don't see it in this movie but in other movies you see it this one i think they just say the likeness they really focus on the likeness of the sister that she died young well she died had a son but I, i don't i think i i'm trying to see if they actually said no, they don't. She died during childhood. I don't think so. They just no. said he she had she died young and she had a son, right. Fred. So you're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that that was uh that was really played up in the Sims version. And it gave you an insight on why he was that way and why uh, loving someone, he pulls back on that because he's afraid of being hurt. That's part of it too. So it give it it uh, it helps you say you know maybe this person's just you know a rotten person because there's something behind it, what took place in his life. I think yeah. that adds another layer if they did yeah. actually include, and it probably wouldn't have taken much to include that. <laughs> no, it uh, doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, they also- made a conscious choice not to, though, for some mm-hmm. reason. Yeah, it's it's also in the performance of Sim too. I mean, he just he reacts with like. Like real disgust to to Fred's kindness to seeing Fred, um, yeah. And it's also th- this idea, like that. That's interesting to bring up that like Scrooge was f- Scrooge first felt hate from a parental figure because a birth went wrong. His birth was wrong in some way, and it's you know Christmas then then fixes that eventually it takes years and years or decades and decades but eventually it's christmas that fixes that um and it's it's ultimately um healed when he goes to fred's he's able to go to fred and see fred for who he is 
which is a person who is um who's congenial and warm and open um yeah and it's that's a great that's kind of a great note to see how how he's able to heal is he's able to see fred for the person fred is and not for the person who died giving birth to fred on christmas it's yeah that's that's a lovely a lovely reflection that was a lovely note to end the movie on and this is a lovely note to end this episode <laughs> on i'd like to once again congratulate alex for winning this episode uh thank you yay <laughs> hopefully there will be no animosity in your family as tom's father alex took it down but hopefully oh, you will no. heal yeah. just like they healed in this film <laughs> yeah he does all the cooking so i guess i'll, I'll get over it <laughs> well now i'm gonna go down to the baker to get my goose okay so <laughs> You can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts on our YouTube channel, Twitter at Talking Studios, and our website, TalkingPicturesTrivia.com. We're extremely grateful to all those who subscribe, like, follow, and leave a review. Which of the ghosts would you like to be and why? Let us know on Twitter, TalkingPicturesTrivia at gmail.com, or give us a call at 201-467-8679. You can find me on Twitter at ThomasLayman15. You can find me on Twitter at KJ1000. And you can find me home cooking. <laughs> <laughs> I can also be found on Twitter at the nickname. And if I'm invited when Alex is cooking, I'm definitely going to come over. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Next week, we'll be discussing the Maltese Falcon from 1941. Tom, how was your watch? I've seen this movie more times than I can count, and I don't remember my first watch, honestly. I, I probably was in high school. I think I went through a John Huston phase at one point when I was in high school where I just watched all of John Huston's movies, or m most of them anyway. As one does. Yeah. As one does. Yeah. I don't think I saw... I, John, you know. Yeah. I don't think I saw Under the Volcano, but I saw quite a lot of his other movies. You didn't see Fat City, I know that. And I didn't see Fat City, right? Two John Huston movies I still haven't seen, Under the Volcano and Fat City. And I mean, I've, I've always loved this movie. I read the book for the first time in 2005, so quite a number of years ago, and I really like the, you know, really love the book as well. Uh, watching it again, I, I just, it makes me laugh so much. And, um, and I, you know, the, the Bogart acting style is just kind of incredible and hypnotic. I mean, he, I, when I was in acting, I, I used to be an actor for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, but I used to try to get um, my lines out. At least I would try this in scenes, try to get my lines out as quickly as he does in this movie, just to try it in different scenes. And oftentimes you, you, you junk it. You wouldn't use that because it wouldn't work. But I've always been like deeply impressed about how quickly he can kind of rattle through this script. It's just such a lovely thing. And I love the harshness of it. He's such a harsh character. I watched again with uh, my friend and uh, a former former person on the show, Margaret. Um, and she was she hadn't seen the movie before and she was shocked by how mean he is. Uh, and it, it oh God, it's the, the coldness of it and the the kind of simplicity of that coldness is also incredibly appealing. How about you, Pat? How was your first watch? So I, I, I'm with Tom on this one. I, I think I've watched this movie 
more times than I can count. I've watched it many, 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 many times. I do remember my first watch. I this was I think this this is the first sort of classic era movie that I ever watched. So this is I think I was like twelve maybe. Um, so this is you know the the first movie that I watched that wasn't Disney or a blockbuster or like as good as it gets or some rom com. Um, so the, and my brother John, my oldest brother. John uh I think it was it must have been the end of August and it was I was getting ready to go back to school and I think it was the night before I went into their sixth or seventh grade and he was like We're, we should watch the Maltese Falcon so he got the movie and we watched it um so I've seen it many many times and I read the book for the first time I've read the book many times I read the book for the first time in 2011 when I was living in London and actually for my I'm doing my MFA in creative writing right now and actually the novel that I'm working on is sort of uh, an homage in some ways to the writing style of of um Dashiell Hammett into the Maltese Falcon. So I know this movie very well. Um, and I agree with Tom. It's sort of, it's just like, I I think the, I I like the side characters also quite a bit. I think I, while I like the Humphrey Bogart character, I also just like, I love Peter Lorre. I love Sidney Greenstreet. I think those two are just like, they're so much fun in this movie. Um, even Cook in this movie. I just think this is like a great, you know, there's a lot of great character acting. I think it's just, it's a great film. It has a lot of, a lot of fun to it. This, I think, is one of those. The other movie we we discussed was sort of like movies that I would take on the island with you. Um, this would be one of the island movies along with something like Night of the Hunter. So I I love this movie. KJ, what about you? What are your uh, first viewing like? This was my first viewing. So quite the opposite of you guys. This was my first viewing of the Maltese Falcon. And my first noir is when we did the third man, guys, which is kind of a anti-noir because he's a fish out of water at the same time as he's trying to be hard-boiled. So it was kind of good to visit an actual noir. Um, I guess I've also seen Brick by, uh, not Brick, Ryan Johnson's, was it Brick? The one that's in high school with all the, you guys know nothing? Brick. Mm. I know the murder mystery that Ryan Johnson did with Daniel Craig. But I don't no, know. no, this was a bunch of kids in high school, but it's written like a, a Humphrey Bogart noir. And they talk it was about a main actor in well. 1980? Uh, the main actor was Jordan Givitz, the guy who was in ba- uh, Jordan Gordon. Oh, J- J- Jason Gordon. <laughs> Gordon Levitt? Yeah, whatever. Levitt. The guy in 10 Things uh, I Hate About You. Yes. Uh, yeah. Isn't it Joseph? I think it's Joseph. Joseph Gordon Levitt. There yes. we go. The guy in Looper. This, yeah. this is a movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're fiending expertise about movies. <laughs> um, you know, guys, I I, I was kind of bored. Um, I know there was a mystery going on. I'm with Margaret. He was kind of mean. I wasn't exactly. I don't uh, think that was. I don't think Margaret was putting down the movie. No, but you know he was mean. Um, but audience, go check out the movie. I highly encourage you. How about you, Nick? How was your watch? I'm still getting over KJ's criticism. He was a meanie. (laughs) He was. All right, and hang on. Since we're on the topic, (laughs) the other thing you ever have like an argument with somebody, and then when you're in the shower later, you know, if I had said this, it would have been so cool. That's him from the beginning, but somebody wrote the script. It wasn't like he's doing this in real time, but it felt like all those thoughts you have afterwards in a movie. But yeah. So <laughs> to follow that one up, I was very excited to watch this one. Similar to KJ, this was my first watch, and that's about where our similarities end. I was very excited because we referenced this on many other episodes, and I had never seen it. So I've just been kind of dying for us to cover it. And I almost wanted to say my first watch of this was our 
first episode for the movie Chinatown because the beginning is very, very, very similar. I, I and, and now I wish I had seen this one first, but I also did enjoy Chinatown. So I really like this movie. I like the old timey dialogue and sayings and things that you just wouldn't hear anymore. I thought they might have put a different twist on the end. Maybe I'll save that for the episode, but I do like the way the movie played out. So uh, that's all I have to say about that. We'll get right into it next week. The Maltese Falcon is available on HBO Max at the time of this recording. Wow, Talking Studios.